0: Welcome to AM Best Audio.
1: Employer risk and ESG are increasingly moving their way up boardrooms' risk agendas. In fact, 22% of global business leaders cite employer risk as the number one threat now facing their organization, doubling from 11% in 2021, according to Beasley's latest risk and resilience report Spotlight on Business Risk. 2023. However, one in four boardrooms feel ill-equipped and unprepared to deal with that rising concern. I'm Lori Chortis for AMBEST TV. And joining us now to discuss that and other findings from the report is Bethany Greenwood. She's the Group Head of Specialty risks at Beasley. Bethany, welcome. It's great to speak with you again. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation.
1: I am also. Bethany, why is employer risk a top concern among global business leaders today? And what growing threat does that pose to organizations? You know,
0: I think it is a bit of a kind of cliche, but it is true. So I'm going to state it anyways. Em- employees are a global business largest assets, and they literally walk out the door every day. And I think with, with hybrid working and the continued fact that employers employees have a choice right now with the employment market the way it is, The power of the employee is ever increasing. And when you think about what's so costly to companies is turnover, right? You lose productivity, you increase your wage costs. And so it is a big focus because it's what keeps the companies going. And employees are really looking for more than a job now, right? Their employee engagement is more important now than I think it ever has been. And it impacts employees, employers retention, and all different aspects of the company. So it's actually not a surprise to me um, that this has doubled in the last year and a half when we last asked executives, and that it is a key employer risk. And to be honest, I'm kind of pleased it is because it's a response to something that employees um, are kind of demanding at
1: this point. So what impact is the Me Too movement, employees' mental health, and other concerns having on that?
0: Well, I mean, these are real issues, right? That real people are having to deal with plaguing employee employees um, and they're looking to deal with them with their employers. So they're looking, in, in my opinion, for a full employee human experience, not a clock in and clock out. And we've heard of this concept quite a bit of bringing your whole self to work and expecting to be protected and not only just protected and welcome to bring your whole self, but actually companies facilitating this throughout networks. And so when I think about this being a top risk and this heightened expectation, not only to do the right thing, but to go even further and look for the, the right work-life balance and being, you know, being able to be your whole self, this is really what companies are going to need to do to solve for that kind of key risk that was identified in our question set.
1: What challenges or issues does ESG regulation now pose for global business executives? And what are they doing to anticipate and respond to those concerns?
0: You know, I think one of the biggest challenges for ESG regulation is this patchwork of different regulatory bodies looking at things differently and kind of um, changing all of the different rules, depending specifically in the United States, um, depending upon what state you're in. I feel it really puts executives in a tough spot because they can't appease everyone with a global strategy like you might do other regulatory situations that you're dealing with. So um, the way we look at it is really what's your regulatory framework? How do you look at all different types of things that you're trying to set up so that you can see how changes manifest themselves and quickly um, change what you're doing in order to abide by those, which is even more difficult in this ever-changing ESG environment. I mean, we're seeing anti-ESG laws, anti-woke laws kind of coming in at all times. So for me, it really is having the right framework on the regulation and the ESG strategy so that whatever comes, you can own that response and do it with confidence and kind of stick with the framework that you have. I think that's the key importance for us.
1: What other external and internal risks do global business leaders face today?
0: I mean, I was thinking about this, like, what do they
1: not face? I feel like, I mean, we've right. got, um, we've
0: still got the macroeconomic risks that are happening, including, you know, you know, the changing in inflation and possible recession. And then you add in multiple geopolitical events happening all simultaneously. And then really, what is the next unknown? So these are the things that externally people and companies I think are are grappling with. And then internally, as we talked about, it's not just the ESG regulatory bodies, but your own ESG strategy and how that impacts your business and your colleague base um, and what that future is going to look like as you morph your own ESG strategy. I think that's something that we'll face internally. And then a combination of internal and external is really supply chain issues and trying to understand what could happen to impede what you're trying to achieve with your supply chain. I think that will constantly be a focus.
1: As those and other business challenges mount, what can business leaders do to anticipate, prepare, and address those risks, including exploring insurance options that include risk and crisis management?
0: You know, when I think about preparedness, it, to me, it really is having the right people, having the conversation, and horizon scanning or brainstorming. And we think about that in a way that starts with like a diversified board. So when we're underwriting, specifically DNO, we're always looking at the board members and looking for diversity of thought, diversity of different backgrounds, whether it be different industries that feed into the one that um, the board is managing, because we feel like that helps businesses really look at the broad set of challenges they might face with multiple perspectives, which I think is key to be prepared. And then, again, I can't emphasize enough, having a framework for crisis and response management. At Beasley, we spend a lot of time with our insurers and our clients and our broker partners thinking through pre-crisis preparedness and what companies have set up in those events. And so when you do that, it really does ready the team, I think, for what could come, but also identifies weak spots. And I think there's areas where insurance and risk management can certainly be helpful. Customize your data experience. BestLink now offers an interactive company dashboard that provides company-level intelligence in a fast, user-friendly interface featuring interactive tables, charts, and Sparkline performance histories. Customize the dashboard tiles to prioritize the insurer readings, data, and analytics that best support your workflow. AM Best. Our Insight. Your Advantage.
1: How are perceptions around business and executive risks, such as the ones you just discussed, changing the risk landscape for business leaders? And do many believe they will be operating in a high-risk environment in the coming months?
0: Um, it's a great question. So in our data did show that over a third of executives are looking at insurance options and are wanting to explore those that include risk and crisis management to help tackle these business challenges like employee risk like reputation uh, management ESG. And so you know to be honest that's kind of music to our ears right? because we're looking to to help and kind of you know increase out of just risk transfer and work with our clients on these types of crisis management offerings. And I, I feel that if we, as a company at Beasley, and I believe all of those that we've spoken to, we are operating in a higher and higher risk environment every year. And I, I don't see that changing in any time of the near future. And one of the things that I feel we all have had to learn to do is kind of expect the unthinkable. You know, we've been through so many different things between, um, you know, COVID and all these geopolitical issues. So I sometimes think of it as like we have a whole new space in our brains for this unthinkable. And when you stress test, um, you've got to have this mindset. So even when we're doing our own stress testing, we take it to the nth degree and then we kind of think what else could possibly happen. And I think that's the mindset that we have to have, sadly, these days, given you know, what's gone on in the last few years.
1: Absolutely. The report discusses the interplay between employer risk and reputational risk, with companies increasingly exposed to a potential backlash in the court of public opinion as the treatment of staff is more closely scrutinized. Can you tell us more about that?
0: Yes, um, and to your point, um, the the report that we asked this question and talked about how managing reputations ranks in kind of a risk categorization of the executives we asked. You know, this, this rose kind of managing your reputation and protecting it to 20 percent. So this is one of the core issues. So it's it's top of mind. And I think it's rightly so. I mean, we all know the cancel culture, the court of public opinion is very quick. Um, and when we think of it, we really, you know, you do try to prevent things from happening and doing the right thing and protecting your colleagues and your employee base. That's, to me, paramount. But then you also have to have another layer of what happens to the event that something does happen in your organization. So what is the plan for the crisis management? How are you gonna handle that? We've all seen companies that have had bad situations and you see some of them step up and handle it very well and do it in a balanced way. And you see other companies with poor um, crisis management planning and unfortunately at their own demise. So. Um, really trying to make sure not only you have preventative measures, but also crisis management um, measures in the event something happens. And unfortunately, we continue to see shocking behavior at organizations. And so um, we really look to the tone of the top at the organization because that sets the whole tone all the way down. And then all those policies and procedures that are there to protect employees, but also what happens if something does happen. That's kind of the the full spectrum of what we look for and what I think companies should be focused on.
1: As we move into the new year, can we expect many of these issues and concerns to once again top global board's agendas in 2024? Or are there other new or evolving risks on the horizon that they may be focusing on in the coming year? No, I
0: I think these will all be kind of layered on. So I think this employer risk, employee risk is going to stay and and that kind of couples with reputation. But I think if we were talking kind of future and horizon scanning, I think you can't have a conversation without talking about AI. And I also think of that as kind of um, two sides of the coin, right? So you want to make sure... You don't miss out on the right, right use case for your business that could, you know, manifest in such a positive way for a business. So you really want to make sure you're you're maximizing what the positivities are, but also protecting the organization from potential abuse. So I think that's the balance on AI that companies are going to try to strike and focus on. And then I sit here in Boston in the United States, so I think the U.S. election coming um, is going to be a big focus. And and again, how different scenarios will impact organizations, I think is going to be something that will be top of mind for board members um, over the coming year.
1: And what about for insurers? What role can they play in helping business leaders mitigate and alleviate many of these concerns and risks? Well, as I mentioned
0: earlier, so risk transfer has been our bread and butter, and how insurance companies have partnered with our clients for for many years. And I think what we're trying to do is expand that role into helping manage, mitigate risk, and then even crisis management pre and post loss. So really trying to. Um, expand the pendulum that we work with our insureds on. And one of the key things is I think about that. You know, we have decades of experience of all different crises and different losses that happen. And we see multiple, multiple events in all different scenarios. And the hope is that our clients maybe experience this once in their entire lifetime of a company. So the fact that we can deploy our many decades of experience onto somebody and give them that same um, kind of knowledge base, yet they're only having, hopefully, to deal with this once. I think that's a key thing that we um, in the insurance community at Beasley can, can play into for our insureds
1: and our clients. Well, Bethany, this has been so informative. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you very much for having
1: me. Appreciate it. That was Bethany Greenwood, Group Head of Specialty Risk at Beasley. For AMS TV, I'm Lori Chortis.